KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. For the past 23 years, if you walked down Vine Street in Philadelphia between 2nd and 3rd, you'd come across a building covered in intricate mosaic tiles. 7,000 square feet, so you can walk around the entire building. The scale, the material, the color, the mirrors, that, that's really what hits you first. But while you're looking, you start to pull out all these little stories. The history of Philly's art community is embedded in these walls. Tiny pictures and letters coming together to make bigger pictures, each ceramic tile catching the light in a different way. It's this almost historical document. It becomes this almost like a landmark, an iconic kind of landmark that has something else to it. This sprawling artwork has lived tucked in between brick facades in Old City until this month, October 2023. We're losing all of this to development. We've lost our voice. This will never be able to be made again. This is over. This is literally a masterpiece that we have chosen to destroy. I think it is a reflection of humanity. Philly is known as the city of murals, the mural capital of the world. We have over 4,400 murals across the city, and we take a lot of pride in that. But it's also common here to see public art taken down as buildings change ownership and new development goes up. So why are people mourning this mural in particular? And if it is so beloved, why is it coming down? This is The Johncast, a podcast about interesting and unexpected stories from Philadelphia. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Circa, and this week, we visit the Painted Bride mural before it's torn down and replaced by apartments. And we talk with a community that's asking, can public art ever really last? And if so, how? All right, well, we're here on site at the Painted Bride, the former Painted Bride Art Center. It's 230 Vine Street. It is a 7,000 square foot mosaic building, fully mosaic from the sidewalk to the roof. It's amazing, it is amazing, and it's all the work of one artist named Isaiah Zagar. Took him nine years to create. In mid-September, Emily Smith, the CEO of Philadelphia's Magic Gardens, or PMG for short, organized a tour of the Painted Bride mural. Other volunteers led the tour. Up here it says Don Riff. This is a reference to a world that a Philadelphia artist named Jerry Crimmins created for his wife who had been bedridden for a number of years. So he The Magic Gardens and the Painted Bride are connected by the artist who created them, Isaiah Zagar. And PMG has made it their mission to protect and preserve Zagar's work. And we have been fighting to save this building for the past five years. We have lost, and this building is going to be soon demolished. Emily and her team were giving the public one last look at the mosaic before it's taken down forever. It's our history, it's our community, it's our people. I am an expert in this work, and I know this piece is the crystallization of Isaiah's technique. He learned really how to mosaic on this building. It is one of the finest examples of a Zagar artwork. Shara Day Howard was there, reporting for KYW News Radio. So what have you been hearing from others, the community? What have they been saying to you? You know, there was, there's been a lot of sort of ebbs and flows of this story over the last five years. I will say in the last two, probably, it has been this swell of support. 
There's about 40 or 50 people here. There is a lot of anger. A lot of people feel helpless and that um, how is it possible that there was so much support for a project yet we still can't save something? Sheridan knows this place well on a personal level. She grew up in Philadelphia's art community and she's been to the Painted Bride as much as anybody. So I wanted to bring her in to tell this story. Shara, what's your history with the Painted Bride? Do you remember the first time you went there? I do. I was uh, probably a teenager. went for a really cool multicultural show because that was what everyone was saying back then. So this was the <laughs> place where the community would go to really kind of embrace one another. They had uh, Middle Eastern dancing, and then it was uh, an Indian group coming through with like classical Indian dance, things along those lines. And then the next week, there was spoken word. I saw some of my favorite artists in that space, and it convinced me that maybe I could do it. Maybe mm-hmm. spoken word's a step I could take. Yeah. The Painted Bride had a way of speaking to the moment for you. So it was kind of a mix of all different kinds of art. Always. The center really goes back a little further than the building does. It first launched uh, a former bridal shop on South Street in 1969, and the space then moved to Vine Street in the 80s. But uh, during that time, oddly enough, my grandmother had a hair salon right next door to that bridal shop. Oh, yeah? She did, and she moved to West Philly after that, but she knew the owners of that shop. Of the bridal shop? Yes, of the bridal shop originally. And we always wondered, and now I'm just making that connection now, that that's where the painted bride came from. Right, right. That's where the bride (laughs) and the name comes from. I was surprised at the list of artists who have worked at the painted bride, too, who've come through it. Carlos Santana, Toni Morrison... James Baldwin, The Roots, which I probably could have predicted if you asked me. But yeah, just so much art and culture went through there. It really did. And a lot of people at the very beginning of their careers. And then when they hit it, they found a way back as well. And I think that tells you really about the heart of what that community center is and how it speaks to the heart of the community. Yeah. And the community center still exists. It's in West Philly now. But going back to when it moved into this space in the 80s, The mural began to take shape in 1991. So Isaiah Zagar was connected to the community, and he wanted to give back in his own way. As Emily said, it took him nine years to make this, so it wasn't completed until 2000. Now, Shara, I think you know more about Isaiah than I do even now, but I was really curious to learn who is this guy who spent nine years making this mural, making a whole building into art. So I asked Emily to meet with me and tell me a bit more of his story. Isaiah Zagar is 84 years old. He's, he's still with us. He has lived here in Philadelphia since 1968. He's lived on South Street. He is a self-taught mosaicist, and he began to mosaic in 1968 after a nervous breakdown. And when he was in the hospital, actually, the doctor said, you need to stay busy. You need to keep working. Oh, wow. So he went home after the hospital and... Just to literally keep his hands moving, he started to mosaic. He started making mosaics in his house and eventually moved to the outside of his house, then started using the outside of walls of other people's houses who he knew. And over the past 50 years, Philadelphia has become just covered in his work. There's over 220 works in Philly, all different kinds, different sites. So he could have an entire building mosaiced, like the Painted Bride, Or interiors, exteriors, all sorts of other things like that. It's pretty incredible. And in the world, there's really no body of work like that. 
you can pretty much see it everywhere and anywhere. So if you wanted to get a taste of Isaiah and kind of what he was going through at what time in his life, and he often reflected the community and what the community was going through at the mm-hmm. same time. And personally, I had a wonderful uh, relationship with him when I was younger, uh, but it was along with maybe 20 other kids. So we were out and about in Center City quite often. <laughs> South Street was our place to go on Friday nights. And Isaiah was really out there trying to make sure that, you know, our debauchery didn't get too crazy. We didn't get out of hand. <laughs> but he said he offered us an opportunity to kind of come through and look at what he was doing on South Street and help him out. So we were uh, really about South Street in the moment. But also we were kids that were active in politics. We were LGBTQ community. So we were kind of doing our thing out there thinking we were making a difference. And he made that connection for us, that art also makes a difference. And he allowed us to really sit down, learn what he was doing, and participate. And of course, one of Isaiah's most known works, besides The Painted Bride, is the Philadelphia Magic Gardens. So if you live in Philly, you know this already, but bear with us. For anyone who doesn't, the Magic Gardens are this outdoor space with walls and constructs made by Isaiah that you walk through, all mosaic. It's just this gorgeous, huge tourist attraction at this point. People who come to Philly, picture Philly art, don't even realize they're thinking of Isaiah's art, but they are. They are, and they don't know it. And it's wonderful to learn that, oh, that's him too? Yeah. And so Emily, who we've been talking to, works at the Philadelphia Magic Gardens, PMG, as we've been saying. This organization kind of grew out of that space, and they're sort of the caretakers of Zagar's work throughout Philadelphia now. So even though she works for the Magic Gardens, Emily thinks that the Painted Bride mural is the apex of Isaiah Zagar's art, and it is the largest of his works in the city. So the original building is this big warehouse. It was an old elevator warehouse. So just imagine cinder block and brick, just Mm -hmm. pretty basic, not a lot of windows because it was a theater space. So it was sort of this huge canvas, and Isaiah knew that he wanted to slowly take it over. And over years, of course, it took nine years. And sort of what's really incredible about The Painted Bride for me as someone who understands Isaiah's work so well is that he kind of was starting in the back and learning this large-scale technique while he was going. And so if you go to the building, the back sort of starts much more simply. And then by the time you get to the front, nine years later, it's like the most crystallized Zagar technique. So you can almost see the evolution of his artistry over the course of nine years on this one building. What's incredible about the piece, too, is it's telling the story of the history of this incredible arts organization, this alternative arts organization it's all these references to the artists that were performers at the at the Painted Bride Art Center. Lots of portraits of, of other artists here in the neighborhood. There's actually a portrait on the front facade of a drag queen. Her name's Patsy Ratchet, who is Isaiah's <laughs> best friend. There's little references like that, stories throughout the building. There's actually a verbatim Inquirer article about a horseradish vendor from the 70s, A.B. Kravitz, who was on South Street. The article is like embedded in the mural. (laughs) Yeah, it's written, handwritten, the entire article in tile on the front facade. So what happened? Why is this mural that Isaiah put nine years of his life into that holds so much Philly history about to be demolished. So the Painted Bride Art Center moved to West Philly, a spot on 52nd Street. They sold the Vine Street building, and it's now being developed into an apartment building. That apartment building is going to be mixed-use. That mixed-use building is going to include a restaurant and some community space. Right, so when the building was sold, 
PMG tried to get a historic designation from the city to preserve the mosaic, and that actually did pass an initial vote, but when they went through a second round, it got shut down. So basically, the board, the the Historic Designation Committee, agreed that the mosaic had cultural significance. And then on a second vote, with more people, not as many historians, people who had different interests, we lost by an abstention. That one abstention, they withheld their vote. So one person held up the entire effort. That was a really interesting process, and I learned a lot through that because one of the criticisms I have is that you guys laid out this historic criteria, we met it, and you still didn't protect the building. To me, it was it felt really confusing. How do we move forward thinking about preserving some of these cultural assets if we don't have a clear path to actually protect them the way this city says we could be protecting them? So PMG, they tried to take the issue to court where they won the case, but they lost an appeal. After that, they tried to convince the developer to keep the mosaic, and he actually did come, he did actually come around. He said yes to it. So he actually redesigned the plans to keep the mural and then build above it. And Emily tells us at this point during the tour, she explained actually thinking that she had won at this point. So we actually won full approval from the city. The Zoning Board of Philadelphia approved the project to save the mural and build above it. And actually from there, the next door neighbor sued the Zoning Board of Philadelphia and that went to an appeal court in the state of Pennsylvania. So we moved out of the city where Philadelphia understands this work and is supportive of it into the state realm where it was much more conservative of an opinion. And they voted in favor of the neighbor who said that he didn't want it here. The plan was to keep the building as it was, at least the Painted Bride uh, part. You could actually build on top of it. And it sounds like one neighbor didn't like that it would block his view or for some reason didn't like that plan. And that's all it took. It is still going to be a mixed-use building, though. So that restaurant and the community space that Shara mentioned earlier, Vine Street is still getting that. I think there's just a tough balance here between preservation and development. How can a city grow and at the same time protect its artistic history? Really looking forward, what does this mean for our future, the future of art and posterity here in Philadelphia? Obviously, personally, it's really devastating. This project has really touched so many people's hearts because it is about what are we doing when we're losing all of this to development? We've lost our voice. This will never be able to be made again. Isaiah is not able to make work anymore. He's 84 years old. This is over. This is literally a masterpiece that we have chosen to destroy. We did reach out to the developer for comment, but he didn't get back to us. But Emily is in touch with Isaiah. Shara, did she tell you what he thinks of all this? Isaiah is fully aware. He may be older. He may be uh, no longer working. But his awareness of the situation is very acute. He's saddened that this effort has uh, ended the way it has. He's sad to see one of his most prized works go. Um, But he also believes that, you know, Philly's resilient. Mm -hmm. We'll find a way back and other artists will now take off the mantle maybe. What are other people in the community saying? You know, I've heard everything from, okay, well, a little bit of complacency, but then the other extreme, which is, I love that place. I went there at this stage of my life. I went there at this stage of my life. There's so many people that at so many moments in their life 
went to the Painted Bride to see something and it's directly connected to a beautiful memory. To walk down the street and be able to see this is just such a treasure. I think it's kind of heartbreaking that it won't be here. I'm an art historian, so um, I, I, this has happened in the past. I mean, I know cases this happened, so it's not mind-blowing, but it certainly is sad, and I think it's unfortunate. Um, I mean, I understand there are all kinds of commercial pressures at work, but uh, we were just saying it's sort of amazing that somebody couldn't have stepped in with all the money there is in Philadelphia to keep it. It sounds like that is the key question on people's minds right now. Could the city or someone have done more? How is it possible that of all the art in the city, we couldn't save this one? What does it say if you can't save something that everyone finds beloved at this point? And I think I think a lot of people have been reaching out to me and saying, what is it that we can do to try and protect more of our public work? What, so, is there anything? We'll try to answer that question when we come back. This is the JohnCast. I'm Sabrina Boyd-Serka. I'm Charity Howard. Shara, when you visited the Painted Bride mural before it was slated to be demolished, Emily Smith with the Philadelphia Magic Gardens posed a question. My question is to the city now, to the mayor, to our council uh, representatives, to our new mayor coming in, what are you doing to protect the work that makes this city so beautiful and wonderful to live in? So really, I wanted to answer her question. And at the very least, I wanted to see what we could do. So I decided to go to an organization whose purpose is to create, promote, and protect these murals. Of course, who came to mind? Mural Arts of Philadelphia. The collection of public art we have in the city, it's truly iconic, and it's beloved not just nationally, but internationally. We are known as the city of murals, and that also includes mosaics and frescoes and public art, sculpture. All of it cumulatively says so much about our city. Now, Jane Golden is the founder and executive director of Mural Arts. She herself is an artist and so passionate about all of this work. Listen, I was just at South by Southwest in the spring, and I walked in to hear the head of arts and culture from the city of Detroit making a presentation. And you know what she said? She said, we want to beat Philadelphia. That's our goal. They have more murals than any city in the world. And guess what? Detroit is going to catch up. And I was like, whoa, holy moly. And when it was question time, my hand shot up and she said, yes. I said, well, hello, I'm Jane Golden. She goes, oh, my God, Philly's in the house. So really what they do uh, at this point, what she prides herself in, is she commissions artists, artists from Philly for Philly. Over 100 commissioned pieces of art throughout the city a year. And what people don't know is that a lot of their work is also about restoration. Right. They get funding from the city for restoration. Jane says it's not a lot, but it's enough that they restore about 30 projects a year. What we're protecting, we're protecting community stories, memories, histories, our heroes. All of it really matters. What do we want? A city that's just homogenous, that's just condos, that's just vanilla? No. Philadelphia is extraordinary. And we are so lucky to be in a city where there are thousands of images that depict us. It is a way of saying you matter. And that is worth fighting for. And then we are protective of artists and their labor and their work and their talent. Okay, so Jane's real crux here, what she really wants people to do, if you love Philly art, if you want to support art, then speak up. When we hear that something is going away, we need to be really vigilant and tenacious about finding out who who's the developer. And then we get in touch with the community. And then together, we talk to the developer about preservation. Is there any way this project can stay? 
talking with Emily, she pointed out how it's easy to think that places like this will just be protected, like it's a given. But it's the individuals, the citizens, the neighbors who need to take action to make sure it will be protected. There was people who were coming up on the street who live on the street and they were like, we love this building so much. Did you hear it's getting torn down? And we were like, (laughs) where were you when we needed you to show up? And we talked about the power of the individual. You know, it was just one neighbor that sued the zoning board and ultimately blocked the developer's plans to keep the Payne and Bride mural. They lost historic designation by one person who chose not to vote. So if a few more neighbors came out and spoke at some of these hearings, it just shows how much one person really can change things. You think one person won't make a difference, but it can. It can, because one person becomes two, two become three. Inspiration is infectious. Now, in a case like the Painted Bride, it's easy to slap this label of art versus money on it, right? Do you preserve a mural or do you allow for development? I don't think it's that simple. Emily made a really interesting point about how public art does benefit the economy. If you create beautiful places that people want to go to, that creates a whole economic system for that neighborhood. You need places to go get your coffee and go to dinner after you go see something really incredible when you're visiting our neighborhoods. You want to go see an interesting site. Like, that's what we do when we go to other cities. If we're destroying those places, you're also destroying any opportunity for economic uplift. And I feel like the city is missing that point. Going forward, Emily and the PMG team are working hard to protect Isaiah's 200 other works around the city. But if they just lost one of his most famous and loved mosaics, what do they think their odds are of saving the rest? What are their options now? There's not much we can do, right? If it's on a privately owned building, there's real complexity there. And certainly I understand that. You can't save every piece. We work really hard to save the works that we have control over. We are trying to form relationships with owners of those properties to see, to show them there is value to this for you taking care of it. The Magic Gardens will come and repair mosaics. We do all that for free. You just have to reach out to us. We want this work to live much, much longer than Isaiah's lifetime. What gives you hope that ideally all, but at least some of these other works of Isaiah's agars can be protected, that public art can be preserved long-term? What gives you hope? Conversations like this, actually, there's been sort of a shift in the, in the communities that we're working with where the neighbors are starting to get really upset when the work is coming down. We just had a, an instance of a Mildred Street mosaic coming down. The developer didn't talk to the community. We knew it was for sale. We tried to reach out to the developer, but never heard back. He just showed up on a Friday morning and started, the workers started tearing down this mosaic and the neighbors literally just stopped the workers. They just got in front of the workers and they were like, no, you can't tear this down. You need to wait. The Magic Gardens is going to come and like try and remove tiles so we can save things. Maybe we can make something new. The neighbors stopped it. And it was kind of incredible and beautiful. They put their chairs out in front while this demolition was happening with their coffees and Everyone kind of started to sit and we talked about the mosaic, all these things. So there was this kind of, it's been an interesting shift. I think if the city took a a stronger stance of this has value to us, that this actually can be an avenue for the city to pull itself up, which we need more and more and more of. So, Shara... What's next for the Painted Bride mural? What happens now? 
What happens now is actually happening right now. They're taking tiles off of the building, tiles they deemed important, uh, tiles they deem worthy of possibly adding to another piece later on in time. So this is about restoration. And for a moment, these tiles are going into a closet somewhere wrapped in plastic for their next opportunity. What we're hoping to do is either create a new piece that will tell the story of what happened here, honoring the original work and also talking about the people who tried really hard to save it, listing names, the text from testimony and letters that have been submitted. Can we have Isaiah write that out and put it in a new mural? It won't be anything like this, but it could be something to memorialize what's happened. It's the best we can do in the situation. Hopefully we can inject a little bit of positivity in a pretty dark moment. So they do get a chance to preserve a little bit before demolition starts. I think overall this gives us an opportunity to reflect on the permanence of public art. You know, how long can it really last? Maybe there's kind of a life cycle to it. This comes down as more new art is going up from mural arts. Is public art really meant to be everlasting? So some folks on the tour actually brought this up. I talked to a guy named Daryl Boudreau and his wife, who is actually an artist, and he kind of thought the same thing. Things that happen, art does come and go. You know, it's not, this was never meant to be totally permanent, but it's a shame to see it go because it's quite spectacular. And Jane from Mural Arts thinks there really is a place for temporary art. There are just so many walls in the city, right? And now that the city is getting developed at the speed of light, we have to be more clever. But we don't want to deplete artists of opportunity. So how do we do that? We do it through temporary projects. And see, I think the question is more, can we do something that's so powerful that when it goes away, the memory of it makes us yearn for more? And Sabrina, you're an artist too. And maybe you're not a picture artist, a painter, but you're a theater girl. You know, you're a theater kid. You understand the nature of temporary work. That's the interesting thing. You know, I work in an art form that is so temporary. But on the other hand, if you do work in especially these grand physical materials that Isaiah Zagar is working with, he's 84 years old. Emily from the Magic Gardens pointed out he wants to leave something behind at this point. That's really a a permanent statement. When you're working with those kinds of materials, so much of what Isaiah is doing, I think, is trying to leave his own legacy. You know, Isaiah is in the later stages of his life. It's something he's grappling with. And I don't think he was making the work to just sort of fall apart with the elements and go away. But a lot of people say, you got to know it's on a public wall. It's at risk. And of course, that is the risk that you take. But when that's the canvas you have, it's a push and pull, I guess. I think it's such an interesting question that doesn't really have an answer. Art can take all kinds of forms, permanent, temporary, Really, at the end of the day, I think it lives in your memory, what you saw when you went to see it. When you walk away from art, people like to say, oh, the definition of art is what? How do you determine what art is? It's about how it makes you feel. Mm -hmm. So that art is art because it made you feel something. This is one of these moments where either we're inspired by something. This is a jumping off point for the next thing. And art can really inspire action or We'll just let it be another thing that falls by the wayside. So we're going to have to make that decision for ourselves. I got a lot to say. (laughs) So do you think there can be some evolution from this? Something can come of it? Absolutely. Why not? I mean, I think that we are in a fantastic position 
to really consider public policy around this. I think that we have resources that should be protected. I think Philly is one of the scrappiest, weirdest, wildest. We're so damn quirky. It's it's our character. It's who we are. And that should be considered on a state on a city level absolutely like i think that they have more power than what they think to really start to consider and talk about this discussion of destruction versus let's have a conversation let's not destroy things let's actually just talk about it first the john cast is a production of kyw news radio original podcasts and it's made in philadelphia by tom rickert brian seltzer myron kaplan Holly Stevens, and me, Sabrina Boyd-Circa, with special guest this week, Shara Day Howard. We'll post some pictures of the Painted Bride mural on the social media site formerly known as Twitter. Follow us at The JohnCast, and we'll also put a link in our show notes. For more new episodes and to revisit some stories you might have missed, follow us on the Odyssey app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again soon.